0: and welcome to another episode of Women in Leadership Podcast brought to you by Influence Alliance, the business building community for coaches and consultants who want to build a profitable and scalable business they love. And I'm your host, Anne-Marie Cross. Now, my guest today says the characteristics that made you a great individual contributor can be the same ones that make you an effective leader. And joining me on today's show is Rochelle Jesse. Rochelle helps small to mid sized business owners escape the 24-7 work week by increasing the confidence and capabilities of their leaders. Now, too often business owners getting caught in the weeds of their business and spending far more time working in their business than on it. How many people can relate to that? Anyway, Rochelle helps them take their business to the next level by empowering their leadership team to run the business so that business owners can focus on the strategy and growth that is required to maximize their potential. Now, on today's show, Rochelle is going to share recognizing that you cannot do it all, why you shouldn't want to do it all even if you can, knowing that it is all is no longer an option for you as a leader. What is that, I wonder? And you don't have to say, yes, to everything. Amen. Welcome to the show, Rochelle.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Anne-Marie. I'm so excited to be here.
0: I think many of us can relate as business owners to thinking that we need to to do it all um, and not really spending time on the the Uh, you know, the functions and the focus that really will drive our business forward. So I really love to look and look forward to diving into that. I wonder, give us a little bit of a snapshot, if you will, on what led you down the path that you are now today, obviously working in this area of your business. Can you give us a bit of a snapshot of your journey?
1: Absolutely. So I've actually been fortunate to be surrounded by small business owners. You know, entrepreneurs turn small business owners my whole life. Uh, my father is a very successful small business owner of 35 years. I have an aunt in a similar situation, an uncle. So small businesses have always kind of had a special place in my heart for that reason. And leadership coming from a strong HR background has always been a passion of mine. So to me, it was kind of merging, you know, my background in leadership and and how much I love to help others empower themselves and empower their teams, and also just coming from a family of individuals who took risks that wanted to do something for themselves and do something bigger than themselves by starting a business that benefits such a greater purpose and a greater audience. Um, So that's where I kind of took those two things, meshed them together, and here I am helping small business owners to do the same.
0: Yeah, Brilliant! It's amazing how the lessons that we learn just through observing, you know, those around us as we are growing up, can inform us and provide such great, um, you know, ground the groundwork, the foundations upon which, as we mature and and start our own businesses and start working in leadership capacities with team, that we can really draw upon that, which is wonderful. Now, one of the things that we said we're going to address today, and I'm sure we can all recognize that, especially as women recognizing that we can't do it all. Share a little bit more about this, Rochelle.
1: Yes. So, you know, typically small business owners, entrepreneurs, they are high performers, right? So they come from a background of doing it all. At any point in their lives when they were younger to maybe even five years ago before they started their business, they're doers. They take on all the projects. They take on all the tasks. They say yes to everything. They want to be doing everything. Because they love learning. They love excelling. So they start a small business, they start a new venture, and they continue that cycle, right? They continue the doing because that's what they're used to. And that's mm-hmm. what they find their value in is the doing. It's what they've gotten acknowledgement for. They've gotten accolades for this, awards for this. So in their mind, it's, I'm a doer, I'm going to keep doing all these things. That's what I'm used to. That's how I excel. But as a small business owner, you got to take a backseat to that you need to now focus on the high level strategy vision goals and let other people start doing
0: so true and and it can be difficult can't it it's particularly because and this is one of the things that i have found you may be good at doing some of those tasks in fact it may be some of those tasks that was the reason why you wanted to, to start that business. However, it's not the best use of your time as the CEO, as you're growing, you know, you're the visionary of your business. What are some things that perhaps you see and maybe even you've implemented yourself, but you see is really supportive in being able to recognize and make that shift from the actual doer to the overseer and, and obviously the empower of your team. What are some insights you can share? Because this can be difficult, can't it?
1: Oh, absolutely. And to your point, I've certainly had my own challenges in my business with doing this. Um, so, there are a couple of techniques that I like to share with individuals who, who find themselves in that place. Mm-hmm. One of them is really take a look at your week um, or even your month if, if you're that ambitious to really spend that amount of time, but take a look at at least one week. What are you working on? Where are you spending your time? Document it hour by hour. And then at the end of that week, really start looking at that hour by hour breakdown, what are things that are are tasks that, you know, you could hire other people to do easily. They don't require you to spend your time and your expertise. Um, And and really, you know, people are often surprised at those results and and they find they're spending more than half of their week on administrative work um, or things that maybe, They're like, you know, bookkeeping, payroll, things that they don't even have expertise in, but they're like, I can just do it. You know, I'll figure it out and do it. They're spending more time trying to figure those things out than hiring somebody to do it in 30 minutes and paying them maybe 30 bucks, right? Mm -hmm. So breaking down your hours and finding out how are you productively using them as a business owner versus a doer um, and then figuring out, okay, if I spend 20 hours a week doing tasks that are administrative, that can be easily delegated or outsourced. You know, what could I really be spending that time doing? Uh, And what is it costing me? And was it costing my business to keep doing those things? Um, So really breaking that down on by an hour by hour basis for one week. Um, And then additionally, I like to say, you know, put a val- a cost value to your time. So as a business owner, you're not you're no longer a 20 hour employee, right, $20 an hour, that's that's well below what your pay grade is. So if you're spending 20 hours a week on those tasks that can easily be 20 bucks an hour, if you hired an intern or, you know, an administrative assistant, is that really, again, how you want to spend your time? Is that helping your business? Is that helping you? Um, is that aligning you with your why in terms of why you started a business? Um, so those are two things I like to have people start with at least just to gain that foundational awareness of their time.
0: Yeah, so important. And one of the things that um, I recall having a conversation even years ago from one of my mentors is that what often can happen when we start to bring on team and maybe we didn't select the right person for the right role. Or in, in one instance, I had a colleague of mine, she hired someone and that person sent back the completed work. But there was a note on the bottom that said, oh, I couldn't do that last bit. So I'll leave that for you to finish. That, <laughs> as leaders, that we don't take on the work, you know, and recognize when something's not working. That can be hard, can't it? I think the segues a little bit into the, we don't have to say yes to everything, but we do need to, as a leader, also have the specifics have KPIs or whatever you want to call them, an expectation, that's probably a better word, of what is required. Speak a bit more about that because I think as women, we, that can be a, um, a leaky boundary, if, if you will.
1: Absolutely. And, and I agree. I think it does segue right into the, you know, saying yes. Um, so, we as women have been conditioned by society ever since we were younger to say yes to things to be agreeable to it'll help us be likable and that's why wouldn't we all aspire to be that way right we all want to be likable and agreeable because we're women and that's that's part of our purpose and it, it really kills me to still see women with that perception of themselves as you know I'm not going to address the performance concerns of a team member of mine, of a direct report of mine, because I don't want to hurt their feelings or I don't want to be considered a mean boss or a bad boss. Um, but just like you mentioned, businesses run on KPIs, on metrics. That's that's really kind of telling you, is my business being successful? Is it is it growing? Is it failing? Am I able to scale at this point? And if you have a team that is, Hindering those results because they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing. They're not performing how you intended them to perform when you hired them or when you promoted them. You have to address that, and you you kind of need to not be afraid of the perception of what are they going to think when I tell them that this work isn't you know up to standard and that it needs to be done a different way or they need to try it again and they need to enhance their skills. Um, it's all, it all comes down to that society, you know, pressure that we have to smile and say thank you and to say yes, and that you did a great job. When in reality, we know that that's not always true. Um, and just having that awareness of, okay, I have an employee that isn't performing well and really thinking about how do I address this? Because if I don't address it, one, it impacts my business, two, that's work that I'm going to take on, as you had mentioned, Anne-Marie. Now I have to clean that up. And what does that do? That, again, pulls me away from the strategic work that I need to be doing. Um, so, yes, we we are. We are always trying to say yes. Um, we always want to kind of have that likable perception. And as business owners, as leaders, you know, we need to understand that That's that that can't be the case. Um, We need to be able to have a voice and and have a seat at that table and really direct those that are underneath us and empower
0: them and develop them. Um, Otherwise, we're hurting ourselves and our business, but we're hurting them as well. One of the things that you were saying, and I really love love that I would love to pick up on that. And this is around. Um, How do we approach? Now, whether it's someone in your team in your own business or whether it's a direct report, if you're working in corporate, yes, we may need to um, have a conversation about work performance that is not up to standard, not up to expectations, but how we have that conversation can be determined by our approach and our attitude. We don't need to be confrontational. You know, one of the things that I learned years ago, and I'm sure this is something that you you go over with your, your clients as well, is we can use that sandwich approach. There are probably other areas that they're really excelling, bring up another area what can we do always kind of what can we do to is there something that's not clear are there some additional training that we can do and then finish off with another positive um, approach now when you do that you're doing it from an empowering position aren't you to to and then obviously if, if something occurs and then just not in the right role well then there's the expectation that, you know, there's a a further conversation, but it's all in the approach, isn't it? To how we approach that conversation.
1: Absolutely, and you know, one thing that I think a lot of leaders struggle with, um, women leaders in particular, is being very clear and specific on what that feedback is. So um, let's say that, you know, I had a direct report that presented at a leadership meeting and really, you know, gave wrong information, didn't prepare for and it was just very obvious and you know instead of saying oh you know that was okay that that's not feedback right that's the the person leaves going like well what was okay was it my presentation was it my my um vocals you know what, what about that was okay you need to be very specific and say you know hey, so-and-so, the presentation that you gave to leadership didn't hit on the information they were looking for, the metrics were incorrect. You need to be specific with that feedback because they need to walk away from that conversation knowing, okay, this is what I need to do differently next time. Mm -hmm. Additionally, timing is so important. Don't wait days or weeks before you give that feedback. The feedback needs to be very timely. So either immediately after something happens or as, as appropriately, afterwards it can if it needs to wait an hour because there's too much going on that's fine but don't let it go into the next day and the next day after that Um, they need to have that feedback in a timely manner it needs to be specific and they also need some help in defining okay if that's what i did incorrectly or if that's what i need to do differently next time how do i do that don't leave them hanging with you know do better next time Teach them how and talk through, you know, how do you think you could do that differently? Really coach them because there's likely not a very high level of awareness from them on what they did incorrectly and how to move on from that. You don't want them to leave thinking, OK, I didn't do well and now I don't really know how to do good because <laughs> that's not going to give a good result for the next time either. Um so really, you know, the, the specificity, the timing, and then coaching through the approach to how do we get you a different result next time that would be beneficial for you and everybody else.
0: Yeah, I love the what, that approach. Now, one of the things that you want to talk about as well, and it, it it kind of covers what we've already been sharing, but I think there's probably some insights here. Knowing it all is no longer an option for you as a leader. Share a bit more about this.
1: Yeah, that's a funny one. Um, And I I get some some funny looks when I say that because people are like, what do you mean? I'm, I'm the leader. What do you mean I shouldn't know it all or I'm not supposed to know it all? That sounds crazy. And what I mean by that is there's two things that leaders tend to do. Assume that they know it all, right? Because I used to be a high performer. Of course I know it all. This is the right answer, or that's the right answer. I'm in this, this leadership position for a reason. I'm a high performer, I do well, I always know the right answer, right? Number two is, if I don't know the right answer, it's now my job to find that right answer. And both of those assumptions are incorrect leaders need to not know the right answers they need to know the right questions to ask their teams so as a leader and as a you know a a high performer and as a high performing individual contributor that you used to be you were likely coached and asked questions from your former leader and that's what got you thinking differently it got you problem solving it got you confidence in making decisions you now need to do that for your team Right? You can't be the one providing answers and saying, oh, this is how you should solve it. You need to ask them the right questions and help them get the right answers. Mm-hmm. So don't jump into situations, even, you know, I, I know it's hard sometimes when it's high pressure and you're being pushed to come up with a solution for something, but that is such a great opportunity to empower your team and not tell them the right, the right answer, but ask them the right questions and they'll come up with that right answer for you. Um, And and in your head, you might know it the whole time and say, gosh, this is the right thing to do. And it's just, it it takes a lot of patience and practice, but step back, ask them the right questions and I guarantee you they will come up with either what you're thinking or something better. My team has surprised me before where they'll come up with something and I'm like, oh wow, shoot, that's that's way better than what I thought of. (laughs) So, you know, don't underestimate your team. Don't put yourself in an answering position. Put yourself in a questioning position and and feel comfortable with not knowing it all. It can seem very weird because, again, you've likely come from a background where people came to you with questions and you were expected on the fly to have that answer or find it quickly. And that shift and transition from answering those questions to now being the one asking questions of your team so they can get that answer, can feel very uncomfortable and very odd for a little while. And it takes practice. Um, Sometimes I'm still not perfect with that. And I know other leaders that struggle too in different situations, but it's such a good thing to start practicing. And it also tells your team, you trust them. You know, Rochelle's not going to come in and save the day every day. She trusts us and she's empowered us to problem solve, to make decisions, whether she's here or even better when she's not here. Because you can't always be everywhere. Right. You want to unplug. You want to be in meetings and have your team solve problems without you. And in order to do that, you need to empower them and get them used to finding the right answers themselves.
0: Yes. Brilliant. And, you know, something that uh, I've often heard feedback as well, and I'd love you to, to share this, you know, not having to have all of the answers, but also to surrounding yourself with people that are probably more highly skilled in certain areas that you're not. So often we can be afraid. Now, when we do that, you know, we're able to, as a team, united, especially this is important in business, because if, if you're smarter than everyone else, you're not going to take your business to the next level because it still relies on you. Share a little bit more about this, because this can often be a mindset issue of leaders that's stopping themselves from hiring, you know, far more skilled uh, people in other areas because of the fear of, all. Oh, they'll know that I can't do all of those things too.
1: Absolutely. And, and thank you for bringing that up, Marie. It is such a common fear for leaders to not be the smartest in the room. But one thing you have to remember is you never want to be the smartest person in the room ever. Whether you're surrounded by your team or you're surrounded by peers um, in a corporation, you never, ever want to be the smartest person in the room because right there, that halts your learning. If you are the smartest person you are no longer able to learn from anybody else that you're surrounded by and that's not what you want as a business owner as a leader you want to be continuously developing and learning so putting yourself in a position where you are the smartest person in the room whether it's because you you truly are you've hired well below you know your your own capabilities or because you've set that precedence in a room where, you know, nobody should be challenging me. Nobody should be questioning my authority. Um, Those are both huge inhibitors to your own development and your own learning. Um, So there is a lot of fear with that. Um, However, you know, as a leader, your job is to not know everything. Your job is to get a team of people who know a lot of things in different areas, like you had mentioned. Maybe somebody is, uh, you know, a supply chain expert. Somebody's manufacturing expert. Somebody is human resources. You want all of these different perceptions, um, perspectives, different knowledge bases, um, different expertises. You want to bring all those together. That's your job as a leader: corral all of that expertise and lead them. Don't tell them what to do, don't tell them how to do it, but truly lead them to then help you level up your business, learn from them. Um, Being able to do that will not only empower them because they're, they're the experts in their field. But it also allows you to learn so much about different areas of your business and how people can truly help you in your business. Yeah. Um, so it, that that's the fundamentals of being a leader. Get all that expertise together and lead them without telling them what to do or yeah. how to do it.
0: Yeah. One of the things that you said earlier around how you had an experience where your team made some suggestions and you went, wow, that's great. (laughs) Creating a culture like that, Um, is so important because you have the opposite where you've got leaders who will often, you know, negate uh, suggestions. I mean, the suggestion that the fact that it's come forward, that may not be what is implemented, but through that initial suggestion, there could be some more brainstorming. And, and from that comes something that no one could have even thought about were it not for that initial suggestion. What do you do and, and what have you seen? done really well to begin creating that kind of culture if it's not been something that as a business owner you've done previously. Because sometimes it takes a little bit of time for our team to trust us and to kind of get used to that thing. Because I think now what's happened with the world as businesses, we need to, and I know we've heard this word before that's tossed around, but it's so important. We need to be more agile. We need to look for opportunities, even those small 1% of changes adaptations so that we can really be at the forefront of our industries, but that can take a bit of time to grow that culture. What are some insights that, that you've seen done really well in this way?
1: You know, first of all, it's like you said, that, that culture, treating that culture, the first step is never scoff at a suggestion, right? Never laugh at or scoff at something, even if it is such an out of box, um, you know, crazy idea in your mind, crazy idea. And you're like, wow, I don't know in your head. I don't know if that could possibly ever work. Don't make that apparent to your team. The second you do that, people are going to be like, oh, I only can bring up really good ideas. I can't bring up anything else. And that's where the shutdown starts to happen. Additionally, questions. It all comes down to questions. So, if somebody says an idea and you're not 100% sure that it could work, that it would work, that it's the right one, just ask a question. You know, okay, how how might that how might that be implemented or or how might that drive these results? Don't again say, "No, I don't think so. Now is not the right time. Okay, we'll think about it." Keep diving deeper and ask questions. Sometimes Team members will come up with ideas that they haven't even really fully thought out. Right. I mean, when I when I've had meetings with my team, they'll come up with things and they'll be like, oh, geez, I'm just thinking about this, you know, on the fly. Here's my suggestion. Sometimes they're great. And sometimes it's like, OK, let's let's kind of flush that out a little bit more. You know, what's your thought process there? And, you know, long term, what does that look like? What are some of the short term things that would, would need to happen in order to make that work. Um, so really diving in and asking questions. Sometimes they might say, gosh, you know what? This is really not a good idea now that we've dived into it more. And sometimes, like you had mentioned, Amory, Marie, another team member might bounce ideas off of them. And then all of a sudden you have all of your team buying into this idea and they all have input on it. And there's your answer, right? If it's doable, that's the answer. And the best part about that is, It's not your answer, it's their answer. So now the accountability, the ownership, it's all there. It's their idea. They solved that problem and you facilitated that problem solving for them. So being able to create that culture, it really starts with acceptance of all answers. Again, whether it's the craziest idea you've ever heard of and you're thinking, I don't know how that could possibly work. Never laugh at it, make a face at it, shut it down, create that space. And make sure the whole team is is bought into that because it's great if you're bought into it. But if you have other team members, they're like, you know, that's a crazy idea. Like, be quiet over there. It's not going to work. Right. Everybody has to have that foundational understanding of. This is a safe environment. It's safe for out of box ideas, for safe ideas, for, you know, ideas on the fly. Um, We're a team and and we thrive off of each other. And if you can set that foundation, the culture, it's just there for you and, and it works. And you see the development of your team members quickly because they're not afraid. They're not limited by what they're saying anymore. They're they're speaking out and as they keep speaking up, their ideas get better and better. As you ask them questions, their ideas get better and better.
0: I mean when you think of crazy ideas, I mean I, I we could probably pinpoint a number of crazy ideas. Hey, let's rent out our house for the for the you know, a room, um and, and get people in from overseas. Well that was before, you know, <laughs> Or, hey, I'm going to hire out my car and I'm actually going to drive people and I'm going to charge them for, I mean, we think of you what know, well, <laughs> it be and, um, of course, and the names just completely escape me. But you know what I mean? The driver's mm-hmm. share economy. There are businesses that spark up from all over the place because someone had a crazy idea. And, you know, there are other people that thought that is the best idea ever. And I think sometimes, well, not don't think, I know, that sometimes we don't want to say something or make a suggestion because we don't want to seem foolish. But guess what? It could be the difference between a business just completely leading an industry or completely turning around the the performance and productivity and even profitability of your business from one crazy idea. Yeah. Yeah label it you know that (laughs) crazy idea hour where we've got a crazy suggestion box you know whether the best Mm -hmm. idea, because I think when we put labels on things that's when we can we immediately start off on the wrong foot don't we Um, shake things up up a little bit and I love um, how it kind of ties back to kind of saying yes to everything we can use that kind of concept to saying we will We will, um, what's the word, we will kind of go through, I can't even think of the word, but, you know, when you consider, we'll consider things and see where they land because if you've got this book of ideas, something that someone suggested last month may not actually be implemented till one or two years down the track. You just don't know, you know, (laughs) as as businesses, which is great. So what Mm -hmm. would you say, I mean, obviously we're at the end of our conversation. I've loved everything that you've shared today. I know it's going to be so helpful for people. But moving forward, I know that so many more leaders in businesses and even in corporate, there's a, a number of challenges, additional challenges, let's say, that they are faced with. What would be one insight that you would share with them when it comes to appreciating and being mindful that, you know, individual team members may also have, um, you know, stuff going on in their personal life? That as leaders we need to appreciate because there's going to be a lot of that kind of that mindset and a mental health. The conversations already been spoken about, but I think as leaders we need to be mindful of that as well. Have you got some insights to share in this?
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know. It- It is so important to always have a pulse on your team Um, as on your team as a whole, you know, the culture of your team overall, but also on those individual team members Um, use one on ones. Don't forget about those. I know that a lot of businesses have been in more of a remote um, kind of environment the past year plus and. Sometimes that leads to dropping one-on-one meetings or, you know, shuffling things around. Always keep a pulse on your team members. They, We're all people, right? We're all humans. And like you had mentioned, we all have things going on. We have personal situations going on. We have things at work going on that our leaders probably don't know about uh, because they're not sitting with us all day long. We can't turn things on and off. So having that pulse It's so critical and and culture as a whole is critical this time uh, in this world right now. And I think it will continue to play a huge um, factor in whether individuals decide to stay at a company, decide to accept an offer at a company. Um, Culture is being viewed at, at at a much higher level than it ever has before. So if you can keep a pulse on your team members and have that open conversation, you know, how are you? How are things going? And have a trusting relationship with each person on your team. You right there are just opening the doors for them to really say, hey, you know what? Today's not a good day for me. Um, I, I need the afternoon off or here's, you know, why I maybe was quiet during a meeting or maybe why I, you know, snapped at somebody earlier. Don't make assumptions you know there are so many things going on in people's lives so if somebody is seeming off on your team don't you know go in on them and say don't ever act like that or don't don't speak that way to that person really you know ask about that you know questions that i like to say is hey you know amory that that seems a little out of your character you know is something going on um that way you're, you're bringing acknowledgement to hey something doesn't seem quite right but you're opening the door to say, is there something I can help you with? And if you get, no, I'm just having an off day, that's fine. But then you know at least, and you'll know how to kind of maneuver that with that individual. But being open to having those conversations and not only being a leader, but being an ally to your team members, it'll go miles, miles for you. Um, And for the team as a whole, you need to be able to have that with,
0: with each individual. Yeah, so important. And that's something that as leaders we need to be mindful of moving forward. We should have been mindful of that anyway. But you know, when often so say don't bring your personal life um, to work, I mean, emotions are going to, you know, how someone feels and, and, and responds to what's going on is going to show up in the workplace. And if we provide an environment where we can support, our team and give them empower power them with some different tools or whatever that might be that we incorporate into the workplace can enable can equip if we use that word your team member to be able to cope to be able to manage that. go, so, you know what my I'm cared about even in in this environment you know because mm-hmm. they end up being more productive and more comfortable at work because there's nothing worse than being in a work environment and feeling that no one really cares what's going on you know behind the scenes
1: absolutely
0: yeah Rochelle I've just loved today's conversation how can people find out more about the work that you do what's the best way for them to reach out to you Yeah.
1: So, you know, honestly, um, follow me on LinkedIn. I post pretty much daily Monday through Friday. So you can always find me on there. Um, I do have a website, which is levelupcoaching.com. Um, so those are the two best ways, or you can email me at Rochelle Jesse at levelupcoaching.com. Um, I would love to interact with any and all of you. Um, I love having these kinds of conversations. I can talk about leadership, uh, for, for days on end, it seems like. So always have to connect with anybody that would like to.
0: Fantastic. And, yeah, please do feel free to, to reach out to Rochelle. And uh, these conversations, we've just scratched the surface, I know, on what we've uh, covered today. But I tell you what, and you would you would have this time and time again showing up, that as leaders, when we create an environment that enables our team to step up, be the best that they can be, uh, that is when we see results that just far outweigh the expectations because people are there because they're not only are there to do a job, they enjoy it. They feel that, you know, a sense of fulfillment and contribution to the greater, you know, the grander vision, if you will, and mission of the organization. And as leaders, those are the type of environments that we want to create for ourselves, obviously, um, to show up as that leader uh, that oversees a a great thriving team, but also individually for team members too. So thanks once Mm -hmm. again for coming on the show.
1: Thank you so much.
0: This podcast is brought to you by the influencealliance.com.
1: Want to influence real change with your message by becoming known as a trusted authority in your
0: industry while building a sustainable and scalable business you love? Find out how by accessing our free podcast series at www.TheInfluenceAlliance.com slash podcast series. That's TheInfluenceAlliance.com slash podcast series.